Hi, I'm Lesha Holzaffel, and you're listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast, a podcast for moms who are ready to lose the weight they want without gaining it back by learning the holistic approach to nutrition and how our brains determine our long-term success. Welcome to the Fit Mom Squad. Today on the show, we have Christina from the Castaway Kitchen. Welcome to the show, Christina. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So how are you doing, I have to ask, in the midst of this chaotic quarantine life? Yeah, I'm okay now. Um, I was not okay at the beginning. <laughs> um, mourned a lot of what... It took me a little while to realize like how bad it would get. I definitely think... like I remember the week my book came out, people were like, are you going to cancel your book tour? And I was like, I don't think so. The bookstores were like, no, we'll just you know, make people stand a few feet apart. It'll be fine. And then like within 48 hours, it was like book tours canceled. Everything's canceled. 2020 is canceled. <laughs> and it just all hit me. Like, obviously I was sad for what was going on in the world, but I was also sad for like, you know, plans that had been in the works for two years, a book launch, a book tour. Um, the fact that my husband was going to deploy and my kid was now, you know, out of school. And yeah, I, I really struggled the first few weeks, but I've found some peace in the slowdown of life now. Um, I think simplifying everything, even just like, you know, not shopping, like I'm shopping less. I have more time to like sort through things. So I've canceled a bunch of like, um, you know, like those kind of things, especially when, you know, you have an online business, how many like apps and plugins and whatever do we like pay for and things that then we don't use. And so I've been really trying to go through those things and save money where I can um, also support the small businesses that I love so they don't go under. Um, if I can, and just realize that we're, this is so global. We're all in this together. Um, and just trying to make the best of it and feel the feels and ride the waves and <laughs> stay safe. I agree. I was the same way in the beginning. I did a lot of meditation, had to do a lot of like, just like mind work mm -hmm. to get to the space where just realizing like, okay, what can I control now? And what is out of my control? And I could just totally approach this freak out mode, or I could just accept what it is and just be okay with what it is and do the best that I can. So that's kind of where I'm at. So I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one out there. But um, I also want to talk a little bit about your story before we get started, because if uh, I don't know if everybody knows who you are, but I feel like everybody that starts in the health and wellness space, we all get started because of our personal stories of like something that happened to us. And then we're, we become super passionate about a topic and then we want to help others because we overcome it. So now we want to help others overcome it. So can you share a little bit about your story and your personal health journey? Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's, it's multifaceted. I always say like, I have like all the things going on, but, um, I, so there's a few things since I was 13, I dealt with an auto inflammatory skin condition, hydrogenized superativa, which is like super painful and embarrassing. That's a long um, word. I, yeah. It's too, yeah, it's too hydrogenized superativa. So it's like, it's essentially, um, and I didn't know it was autoimmune in nature or anything like that until I was 29 years old. But for, you know, 18 years, I lived with this thinking that it was just my fault, that it was because I was overweight or because I was dirty or whatever, because that's what the doctors essentially told me, which is so traumatizing to a 13-year-old girl. Wow. <laughs> like, by the way, doctor. Um, 
and they just gave me antibiotics and steroid creams for it. But essentially it's, um, you get abscesses and like boils and very delicate areas usually where there's a concentration of lymph nodes. So like under your arms, inner thighs, um, wow. you, some people get it, like some people get it on like their, like scalp, like, un, like in their neck or back, but mostly it's like anywhere where there's like the kind of like the skin fold, like inner, you know, in between your legs and then under arms and under your breast sometimes. Um, and you know, it was just part of my normal, like I, growing up, I had like a lot of symptoms that I think that now I know are not normal. I just didn't know. No one told me I didn't have to live with like chronic pain in my legs as a kid, like literally had like achy pains, um, gums that would always be swollen and bleeding, um, brain fog, ADHD, like depression. I mean, a lot of things. I just, it was, it sucked. And on top of everything, I always struggled with my weight. I was an overweight baby child. Like, I was never not overweight, if that makes sense. Like, and I think it's hard because a lot of people, there's some of us, I think when you grow up overweight, it's harder to, to manage it and to, you know, reverse it. And that was just my normal dealing with all those symptoms and just jumping from diet to diet and yo-yoing and binging and all that. And then I was 29 years old, a baby I was weaning and the postpartum era was, was hard for me. I had like a super healthy pregnancy, like super healthy pregnancy. I didn't gain weight during my pregnancy. I was, I only gained 18 pounds during my pregnancy and wow. I had a 10 pound, 10 pound baby and a five pound placenta. So like That's there amazing. was no, yeah. However, I was already overweight when I had him, but luckily everything healthy, big, healthy baby, nursed him for two years. And I don't know, my hormones went crazy. My skin condition got worse. Everything I had dealt with my whole life got magnified. And I was 29 years old and I was about 30 days before I turned 30. And I was like, I cannot start another decade of my life like this. Like I, you know, I had always been overweight, but I mean, the scale climbed up to 275, which was an all time high for me. And I'm five nine. I'm tall. I carry weight well, but this was like, I remember seeing pictures of myself that we took before, like before then like family pictures and I got them back and I was like, Oh, I didn't recognize myself. And Isn't that was that funny. Sometimes that's what it takes. Like takes. you live in your own skin and you just kind of go about your day. You're not really looking at yourself all the time in the mirror, right. but then you look at a picture that someone just took and you're like, Holy crap. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. I just, I totally I, feel your girl. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I just, it didn't look like me. And like the shape of my body had changed. Cause like, like I said, even in my twenties and I, you know, I was up and down 30, 20 pounds. I was up and down, but even I always maintain like an hourglass shape. I'm la I'm a Latin woman. I'm, I'm lucky like that. But I saw that picture and I was like, Oh, I was like, that's not my shape. It was just, it was eye opening for me. And then on top of that, I was miserable. I was tired. I was fatigued. My skin condition started to spread to other areas where before it had only affected under my arms and on, in, in, like, in my thighs. It started spreading to under my breast. So imagine breastfeeding a baby and then you're literally getting like a painful boil on your boob too. Like, and then it was like, it's not awful. my boobs. I like my boobs. Like don't, no, yeah. because this condition leaves scars, like really like unsightly scars are dark. Right. So I hit to the interwebs and <laughs> um, I was, a, yeah, for real. I mean, I was a restaurant chef and like I'd always, I'd done vegan. I'd done paleo back in 2008 before it was cool because of like this holistic doctor that my mom had me go see when I was like a teenager. Um, and I had, you know, dabbled mostly gluten-free for a long time. And I, I was a chef on like a farm to table, like food truck in San Diego. So I was into like quote unquote healthy eating. I just didn't know how to eat healthy for my body. Right. I didn't know the food connection to my symptoms, but I was already kind of into the holistic stuff. And so I looked up, yeah, just holistic 
home remedy for you know hydrogen sativa and this and back then and as we know the google now sucks because you know they don't like when you find natural remedies to things anymore but back then it wasn't censored how it is now and so i the first result that came up was this blog post on rob wolf's website that was by tara grant who was a guest post and she is this woman giving her story saying how she had the same skin condition and i was like her, her story i was like oh my god it's me like it was my story and she healed it with food and she's talking about nightshades and gluten and sugar and this and i was like what and so i went down the rabbit hole i mean i was like okay this guy's you know i'm like i know what paleo is but what's autoimmune paleo what's a whole 30 what's this and so i did the whole a bunch of whole 30s I did the autoimmune protocol, which is an elimination diet, and you eliminate like eggs, nuts, seeds, seed-based spices, uh, nightshades, legumes, dairy, gluten. I mean, and that's it's a lot to eliminate. A lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's really hard, but it's it's specifically meant to like remove foods that are high in anti-nutrients, that are inflammatory, that can inflame the gut and other things. And so, so is this something you have to do forever, or is this something you do until you heal whatever you have, and then you slowly start adding these foods back in? Yeah. So like any elimination protocol, and I think that's why elimination protocols are just that they're short term. So some people end up doing it for years and I think that's detrimental. It can mess you up further. Um, I think I was pretty smart about it where I did it for four months. And when I saw improvements, I started adding foods back in. I didn't wait till I was in remission because it took, it took a lot longer than four months to find remission, but I just knew I was moving in the right direction. And um, do you add in the foods one at a time? So how do you know which one you're sensitive to? Right. You do one at a time, you do it for three days and then you wait and then you add in another one if that one's fine. And you, you food journal everything. So I did that. And then, but there wasn't the answer completely to my story. Cause you know, again, I dabbled, I did specific carbohydrate. I did, I ended up doing keto for a while, like, which I found that low carb is what works for me. Cause I found that autoimmune protocol, while it removes, it removes a lot of inflammatory foods, isn't inherently low carb. It's a pretty high starch diet because you use a lot of starches to compensate for the lack of like eggs and other things. Um, and I started finding strong correlations between flares and starch and sugar intake. And I was like, okay, there's some, and that I found out cause of my food journal. And I always tell people food journal, everything. Um, yeah. So, you know, years, a few years, two years of kind of Goldilocksing my way through some protocols and doing it by myself. You know, back then there was some, you know, there's a good amount of bloggers and books, but not how there are now. And then when I got interested in keto, cause I found that low carb was working for me, there were no resources for keto that were dairy free um, or nut free. And at that point I wasn't eating dairy or nuts. I don't really, I still don't for the most part, but so I started creating my own kind of like, this is the way I eat. It's nightshade free. It's dairy free. It's mostly nut free. And it's also like low carb paleo sort of, you know? Um, but because of my chef skills, um, and my make food taste real good, um, people like my recipes. And so my platform grew and grew and people, then I got a cookbook deal, wrote my first book in 2018, just published my second book. Um, and my own experience, you know, losing 60 pounds, putting my autoimmune disease in remission, not just my skin condition, but no more like aches and pains, no more brain fog, no more ADHD, no more depression, none of that um, inspired me to learn more. I wanted to know why it worked. So I enrolled in the Nutritional Therapy Association and got my certification as a nutritional therapy practitioner, which is a great nine month program that's very pro ancestral health. And yeah. And now I continue to help people online, not just through recipes, but through nutrition. 
Um, I'm very like into bio individual stuff, not one size fits all. Um, I'm not a huge restriction fan. I think that restriction leads to binges eventually. You know, I think that cycle happened with myself and my readers and my clients. Um, and I think that real food first, just always like, I think that no matter what, it's just about food quality over like food quality is greater than macros. Oh, macros. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I always say real food first. That's like my little logo motto. Um, and, and yeah, quality over macros, especially when it comes to keto, because I feel like, I don't know when you, when did you start keto? When did you get into 2016, 2007, 2016 or 2017? Okay. I started in 2015. So it was just like with you, there was like no resources. Almond flour was like $11 for half a pound. So I was not making any keto dessert back right. in the day. You know, it was right. just, just the, the back to the basics, protein, veggies, fat, berries, that. And I did so well with that. And, um, it was, I was just paying attention to what I was eating. Like when I started, I did count macros because I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. And there wasn't a lot of knowledge out there on it. So I was like, okay, well, I need to make sure I'm in ketosis and I'm doing this right if I'm going to do this. So, but then once I got the hang of it, I just went by what I was eating and how I felt. And now I feel like the tables have churned and it's so much like it's such an obsessive culture about the macros and getting your fats in or how much protein should I eat and uh, the carbs, what, what is the number? And it's like, no, that's not what it is about. Mm -hmm. Just eat real food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and carbs are like, they're vilifying real food carbohydrates. You know, I think that, um, that's a slippery slope. Um, because you, you know, you have people that are eating, keto packaged goods or bars without thinking twice, but yet they're scared of eating a carrot. Yeah. Keto I'm like, that makes food. no sense for, to me. <laughs> I, I tell, I tell my clients all the time. It's like, that's just keto junk food. It's, right. That's all it is. It's still junk food, but it's right. keto, low carb junk food, but it's not going to help you with your weight loss. It's not going to help you heal your body. Yeah. And now, you know, and then all of those sweeteners, they cause havoc on your like guts and microbiome and all of that. So it's like, now I look back because last year I uh, found out that I had all these hormone issues and all these gut issues. And I was like, what? Like, I know a lot of it had to do with stress and all of that, but I was like, what the heck with gut issues? Like out of where? Now I started researching a lot about sweeteners. So I was like, holy crap, the amount of like recipes that I tested from my blog, like desserts and all the sweeteners that I ate. I was like, I wonder if that had something to do with like messing up my gut as well. And I was like, holy crap. Like I did not know. I know it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, I think that a lot of people, cause our bodies are so resilient. So you can have a dysbiosis, have gut issues and not really present with like, you know, it's just, Oh, I'm just a little bloated sometimes or my digestion's like, whatever. It doesn't mean it's going to be like super noticeable. And I agree, I think, but I think you, you see people who've been doing, there's very few people who do keto long enough and stay lazy, dirty keto, like, or whatever they call it. Most people end up evolving into a cleaner template because, keto, yeah. Because eventually, yeah, you might lose the weight, but your skin's not going to look good. Your hair is not going to look, you know, you're not going to look healthy. You're going to be skinny, but with like brittle nails and hair and dry skin and like probably like, you know, I still have like inflammatory issues. And a lot of people in the yeah. keto space 
But what was interesting about keto is that it got so big so fast and it, it blew my mind because I can't, I found keto through the paleo funnel, as I call it. Like yeah. me, I came through that real food world. I came through out of a tunnel that was nutrient density, already eating liver, eating vegetables. I was already grain-free, dairy-free, no processed foods. So for me, it was just about lowering the carbs, getting rid of the starches and the honey and the maple syrup. Yeah, it was the, the next step. Right. But then I, when I like started really getting into the keto space, I was kind of like, what? Like, what are these people eating? Like, I, you know, just sometimes I realized that there's people that a day of eating is like a block of cream cheese, a few low carb tortillas, and like the only vegetables in their diet are like jalapenos. And I'm like, what the hell? You know, and they're eating things with food coloring. They're eating things with sweeteners all day. Um, heavy cream. I'm like, dairy is great. Fine. For some people digest it fine just because I don't, but quality dairy A is important because, you know, crap dairy is full of crap. And B, it shouldn't be like 80% of your diet. You know, I think the fact that keto gives you permission, you know, I'm using air quotes here Mm -hmm. to, to eat dairy, that that means that that's like you eat dairy every day and you eat cheese, you smother cheese on everything. And I was the same way. And I want to say something else. Like, yeah, if you switch from a standard American diet to a keto diet, you're absolutely going to lose weight unequivocally really fast. And it's going to be awesome. However, eventually you will hit a stall if you're just eating dirty keto and eating all of that inflammatory foods. And not only that, but you're just not going to feel as great as you could, as you should, by following a ketogenic diet in the holistic way, in like the healing way. And not to mention that like most people, like they, the people are now even starting to gain weight on keto. And that's what happened with me. And that's kind of what made me switch to clean keto because, so I had lost 50 pounds from my first pregnancy with keto and all was well in the world. But then I started, you know, all these keto goodies came out. So I started trying it and I had my Instagram page and companies were sending me all this stuff. And I was like, Ooh, yum. Yes. And then I found myself 15 pounds overweight while in ketosis. And I was like, okay, something's wrong here. Something's like, this is not how this is supposed to be. So mm-hmm. I eliminated, I eliminated all of that stuff for a month. And I like 15 pounds, was like within a month was gone. That's mm-hmm. when I realized like, okay, it still matters. The type of food that you eat, the quality of food, where it comes from, all of that, because you can absolutely gain weight with keto. Right. And yeah, and beyond, you know, beyond weight, I think that a lot of times, like, like, like you said, the inflammatory markers, your digestion, like you're like, you know, we're meant to eat like nutrient dense foods. And there's a lot of nutrient dense foods that are lower carb, you know, that aren't dairy. Um, and I think that just for longevity, right? Because weight loss is like, and you, you know, this, it's like, people are often gaining weight because it's, it's a, it's a symptom of something else, you know, and oftentimes it starts with inflammation, right? And even like that blood sugar dysregulation, because those hyper palatable foods are still having an insulogenic effect, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then they mess with your hunger signals and it's just, it's definitely the like, it's, a, are the it's big a slippery thing. slope. Yeah. There's so many factors that go into that. It's like inflammation is the cause of most diseases. And if you're eating all those inflammatory foods, you're just inviting more of that in right. the body. So right. there, there comes a point where it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. If you're coming from a standard American diet and you're switching over to keto, 
okay, fine. That's great if you want to do dirty or lazy keto for a little while. But at some point, you really have to start, okay, why am I doing this? Like, right. is it just for the weight loss or am I looking for long-term health and healing here? Right. And what is really happening inside my body? So I really want everyone that's listening to kind of remember that when you are start, if you're going to start keto, that it is not just for weight loss and it's not an excuse to eat cheese all day. Right. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think that it's really important to understand how food affects your body and learn to cook and learn to, you know, experiment in the kitchen and, and change your palate because you can paleo or keto any kind of diet, any, you know, standard American diet, any kind of food. And, you know, fine. Sometimes it's nice to have those things. Like, um, I'll do like a cauliflower Alfredo with like the shirataki noodles and, some bacon or whatever for like a pasta experience. And it's not, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not that filling. It doesn't have enough protein. Like I just think that like, or when I bake, right. So it's like my son's birthday's coming up and stuff. And my like, there's a bunch of birthdays like in April in the family. And I rather do a paleo cake, like, you know, dairy free, grain, gluten free, but still use like a Lakanto versus using honey but I'm having that cake and it's the only time I'm having a sugar alcohol probably this year, you know, Mm -hmm. like otherwise I just try and stay away from that stuff. And I've learned that my palate has changed. I used to bake all the time for sure. Like my most famous recipe are my avocado brownies on my website. They're fucking viral. And it's crazy because I remember I used to eat like, Oh, well I would have bulletproof coffee in the morning and then I'd have a brownie for lunch, you know, cause whatever macros. And then for dinner I'd have vegetables and protein. Right. Mm -hmm. But I realized that, yeah, I lost weight doing that, but there were other things that were, you know, I ended up with dysbiosis and other things. So um, now like today I had like arugula and like a can of smoked oysters for lunch and that might not sound as (laughs) yummy, but it really was great. Um, And I got my omega-3s in, which are going to help with inflammation. Um, And I feel better and it's more satisfying and I don't crave anything else where, yeah, that keto brownie, it tastes good. It's made with healthy fats. It's definitely better than a regular brownie. And definitely being homemade better than a store-bought one. However, that could still incite more cravings. Exactly. I mean, that is is pretty much, that's how our brain works. Because when we have sweeteners, we, it's sweet. So that triggers that sweet effect, but our brain, but it's not actual sugar, but our brain still thinks that we had sugar. So it turns on cravings for more sugar. And I think that's why a lot of times people that do keto, a lot, I've hear a lot of people say like, I, I have really bad sugar cravings and carb cravings. And let me tell you, when I did keto, like whole, like whole real food keto back in the day, I never had any cravings. No, I eat anyways. like 90% dark chocolate and I have like one square and it's like super satisfying yeah. and I don't need anything else. And I think and it's sweet, right? It's like it's so sweet, sweet to you now. It's so Where sweet. Before I try it, like, ew, this is so bitter and gross. Like, I give some to my husband. He's like, "How can you eat this crap?" I was like, "What? It's really good. It's like actually sweet." He's like, "Are you crazy?" Right? Yeah, like, you no, change your palate. Your, your palate yeah. changes, and I think that's important to get there because I think when you get to that point, you you can trust your cravings. You know, because like I do believe in our innate wisdom in our body's intuition. I just think that when you're fresh off the standard American diet, you can't trust your body. You can't, oh, I used to be like, I used to, I used to hear people talk about eating intuitively and I'm like, yeah, I'll intuitively eat this loaf of bread. I'll intuitively <laughs> eat a tub of ice cream. But now I, really, I was like, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. But now I really understand that like when I have cravings, like for me, when I know my body's ready for a carb up, cause I do practice, I do do carb ups. 
it's because my leptin levels are low and I'm insatiable and no amount of protein and fat is going to make me feel satisfied. And then I have a small serving of sweet potato with dinner and boom, I'm super full. And I usually fast the next day. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Happens like clockwork. And I've learned to really fall into these rhythms, this like ebb and these natural ebb and flow of my body's needs. But it's been, it's taken years. It's taken years of sticking to real food. It's taken years of, you know, really understanding how food affects my body, how um, I can have ghee every day of the week and I'm fine. I can have butter occasionally and I'm okay. If I have more than one serving of goat cheese, my eczema flares, you know, and that's knowing my body. So I, sometimes I do decide to have it, screw it, I'm on vacation, I'm at a restaurant, I have a little goat cheese, fine, but I'm not going to go buy a wheel and eat it every day of the week, you know, because I know how it affects my body. I know that I, I can have nuts pretty often right now, but the minute my joints get a little stiff, I overdid it on the almonds. So I'm not really eating baked goods with nuts. I eat nuts as in their whole form or maybe, you know, things like that. It's just knowing your body so well and knowing how food affects it that you're not left. There. I don't experience mystery symptoms. If anything happens in my body, I know exactly why. Yeah. It's you got to the point where you listen to the cues, you pay attention to the response. And so now, you know, after you right. eat something, if something happens like, oh, that was because of that. And that takes a lot of time to get there. So it's like, how does someone even start to really like pay attention to that or to get there? Like, I feel like we're always just like eating, 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 and just mindlessly not even paying attention of how it's affecting our body. So how did you start to get to that point where you would like listen to those signals or know that it was because of a certain food? So the elimination protocols helped me with that in terms of like the food journaling. But what really, when it really like I whittled, I was able to like whittle it down and get it to like super fine tune was when I did the nutritional therapy, when I got my training. And I remember because I was truly understanding the mechanisms behind, mm-hmm. this is the thing. I think food rules have their place for when you're coming off standard American diet. Everyone does. Like I did, I've done six whole thirties, right? I did hardcore keto with like a program, but you follow programs for, you can't follow someone else's program forever, right? It's a, it's like training wheels. You have to take them off eventually. And so what I learned was that when you, when I think everyone needs to understand the mechanisms behind why it's working, you know, understand what is optimal health and how do we get there? And not just what are the foods, but the habits that are so overlooked, you know, when it comes to achieving optimal health, which, you know, not to sound, I know it sounds cliche, but stress is at the core of that because stress messes up your digestion. If your digestion's messed up, everything, it's a cascade effect. Like your stomach, your mouth and your stomach are the gateway into your body. And when you're under stress, your stomach isn't producing enough stomach acid. You know, stress literally makes like the secretary IGA, like makes your, you know, your uh, gut lining, you know, like Swiss cheese, it'll like, you know, you can get leaky gut. Um, and I think that for me, it was honoring that and really paying attention to like, hey, did I eat that meal really fast and kind of like while I was working on a phone call or when my kid was stressing me out? Yeah. And like, maybe that's why I was like burping an hour later or my stomach kind of hurt, you know, or like um, just, you know, really understanding like those cravings, you know, before I used to be like, well, you know, I try. So, you know, it's another one for women. I know you have mostly women listen to your, to your podcast, track your cycle. When I started tracking my cycle, it opened up so many doors for me in terms of understanding my body, like body literacy. I love that term, body literacy, because I understood that, you know, when I ovulate and now it's like clockwork the day after I ovulate and you do have that, like that drop in leptin 
happen again right before you start your cycle, that's usually when I have the carb ups. That's when I start those cravings. And I, now I understand why. Um, oh my gosh. I have to interrupt you and say, go for it. yes, yes, yes. And I was like this for the longest time. I would not track my cycle because I always had a regular periods. Like when I was growing up, I was diagnosed PCOS. I really don't even know if I truly have it or not. So the point is my periods were like once a year. So like, I never really paid it. Terrible. I never really paid attention. Then I got pregnant and I still never paid attention. Right. But then I started noticing that like every month, there's a certain time of month that no matter what I did, I could not control my cravings. Like I wanted like carbs, like nobody's business. And I didn't know why it was like the rest of the weeks of the month. I was very good with my diet and just like had no problems with it. Like had no issues, but it was just those like couple days of that one particular week that it was like ravaging the pantry until I realized it was because of, I was in a certain time of my cycle right. where I wanted more carbs. And then it right. was like, wow, I'm not crazy. I'm not like lacking willpower or something or another. And it's right. so important for us to understand that because then we can have those carb ups and not feel guilty about it. Right. And also just understand what's happening. So also in your luteal phase, so like from ovulation until you start bleeding, right? That's the second part of your cycle, your luteal phase. So first of all, our, our metabolic rate goes up. So we, we actually like burn an average of 200 to 250 calories more. Um, we are more insulin resistant at that time. So I would, that's a good time to like, if you craving, you might be craving this, you know, when you're PMSing, right? You might be craving some sugar. I would not, I would only do the carb up at the beginning of your luteal phase. And then at the end, right before your period starts, but in the middle, you can eat a little bit more, you know, because you're going to burn it more. It's like your body's thinking it's getting ready to make a baby, right? Once you start bleeding, like once you start your cycle, you're, you're the follicular phase. When you're, once you're on day one, that's a really good time to like up the protein, you know, maybe for day five, six toward the end of like, once you stop, that's a great time to hit it hard at the gym. That's when you're like, you have energy, you feel awesome. Like your hormones are super chill. Like that, like they're starting to climb. You're starting to get that energy, you know, but they're not too high yet. So you don't feel crazy like ovulation, but like, and it's just so like, that's a good time to, if you want to do fast, that's the time to do it. Not doing it during your luteal phase, trying to fast in your luteal phase, your body's going to be like, what the hell is going on? You know? Mm-hmm. So tracking your cycle and also just really making those food connections and being mindful of like listening to your body. I think as women in general, like, you know, down with the patriarchy, but it's like, we've been so accustomed to think that like we're being dramatic or it's just in your head or whatever, but sitting like, this is my experience. This is what I'm feeling. This is real and honoring it. But in a way that's not like, oh, Hey, I'm PMSing. Let me go eat a pint of ice cream because None of that in that ice cream is going to make you feel good. It's not going to actually make you feel worse. Yeah, I agree. So if that's like a week that you have maybe more, you know, keto sweets than you normally have, or allow yourself to have like a sweet potato for dinner or something like that, then that's okay. It's like your body is going through all those hormonal changes and, and that is okay. And I think that's like one of the biggest struggle that I see my clients have, it's like their period week. They just like want to eat the house. And I was like, no, this is normal. This happens. Here's what to do instead. Or, you know, it's okay if you have like, have a little more carbs or this and that. I'm glad that you said that. I want to circle back to the stress uh, for a few minutes because I think that's such a big, important thing that a lot of us, especially as women don't really pay attention to. This is something that I didn't pay attention to. So 
last year I was, um, I had all these issues with my hormones and my gut and I was like, well, it's not the food because I'm eating clean keto. It's not the exercise because I'm working out every day. What is it? What the heck happened? What went wrong? And now when I look back, I realized like, okay, I started my blog. It really started getting, you know, growing and like a lot more work that was building a membership site. And then my youngest daughter was diagnosed with this rare, um, heart disease. So it was like really stressful time. And then I started circling back and seeing like, when did my symptoms start? And it was at that time. So can you talk about stress as it relates to weight loss, stress as it relates to like how our bodies function and how can we manage it when it comes? So we don't, it doesn't create all this havoc, like leaky gut and weight gain and all these hormonal issues. How do we kind of see the signs and stop it before it gets really bad? Well, it's about being honest with yourself and also prioritizing. So what we have to understand is that there's perceived stress and there's real stress. And in this like industrial world we live in, there's a lot of perceived stress in our life, you know, bumper to bumper traffic. Oh my God, that scare on the highway when someone almost ran into you opening an email from your boss. It's like, you know, you've messed up on a big project all those tiny little things impact you on a daily basis or spiking your cortisol. And we're primal beings. Our body doesn't know the difference between that stressful day at work or literally you're under attack. It does not know. Your body has to rest and digest and fight or flight. So there's, unfortunately, we call, it's called sympathetic dominance. Most of us are operating in a sympathetic dominance where essentially we're stressed out all the time. And so your body has that, that fight or flight phase, which is like, you know, in that instant, your body dumps uh, uh, like everything into the energy, into the bloodstream. So usually first glucose first, but it'll even go into like a fat burning mode, just any, anything to be like, we need energy. We need quick energy. Um, more blood into your limbs and not into your stomach, which is why you can't digest well when you're under stress. But then after that fight or flight phase, which is short lived, then we go into this resistance reaction phase where we're kind of like in this, and that's where a lot of women find themselves because that's where you like operate all the time. And I always, I call it like the trifecta. It's like, you know, they're, they're, oh, I'm crushing it at work and I'm going to the gym every day and I'm super on point on my diet and I'm like skipping meals and just drinking coffee and it's totally fine and I feel great. And I'm like, you're going to just drive that train off a fucking cliff because what's happening there is that you're, all these things are compounding and they're stressing your body out. And when we feel like super on it, we're going, we're going that kind of like high is usually because you're pumping cortisol like too much. That and was like, me all of last year, right. like literally the whole year. Yeah, I know. A lot of women- oh, we feel great. We feel great. And then it, because you're in that resistance reaction phase where your body's just trying to like sustain that stress response, that cortisol response, because your body's like, oh, we're still, this is the long-term stress, but that depletes. So, you know, your adrenals who are in charge of the, you're the cortisol, you know, the, the epinephrine, norepinephrine, and the adrenaline. So that it, it depletes the adrenals. And so sometimes your body will even start pulling from your sex hormones to like your progesterone and estrogen and testosterone to feed the cortisol response. Because think about it, your body's going to be like, well, you don't have to make babies right now because you know, you're getting it mauled by a tiger or there's war or there's famine or whatever the hell, you know, your genes are thinking. And then, so you're like, there's no, it's no time to reproduce. So it, it kind of, that secondary biological function kind of shuts down, which is why a lot of women lose their periods, especially when they go on extreme caloric deficits. And then your body's pumping, but you get to that point and you get, you see, we see so many women. I work with Dr. Campbell, functional medicine practitioner in her practice now. And we run a Dutch test on pretty much all of our patients. 
so many women come in and they're like, they don't have cortisol left. And we need cortisol. Cortisol is a Dutch test. It's a dry urine, something, whatever test where it's, it's a really awesome, comprehensive uh, hormone panel Okay. where you like pee on these paper strips for like, but it's better than the saliva test and way better than the blood test. It gives us like all day estrogen. So it gives you an all day cortisol curve. So not just Mm -hmm. in a moment, but all day curve. It looks at estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, their levels and their pathways. So it's an excellent hormone test. Yeah, I did the saliva cortisol one mm-hmm. where I took it like four times during the day. Mm-hmm. And then for my thyroid, I just did uh, the, blood, the blood. And then for yeah. my hormones, I did the blood. But I've never heard of that. And that's interesting. I'll it's really to- good. Yeah. Um, the thyroid, the blood one's really good. Um, but for, I think, the hormone panel, the Dutch one is the best because it's not just a snapshot. It's like it's, it's the most uh, thorough. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so what happens is that your body, like our adrenal glands and our cortisol is involved on, in so many, it's so good. I mean, it's important. We have, we need a cortisol, we need cortisol. And so what happens is you don't want to deplete it, right? So even to get into a fat burning state, keto is a hermetic stress on the body. You cannot get into ketosis. Like the pain, like your blood sugar has to drop. So your adrenal signal. So the central nervous system is like, oh, I don't know, man, we need a little more like energy. And it tells your adrenals to tell the releases cortisol, which tells the pancreas to release glucagon instead of insulin to open up our cells to release energy, right? Because we need glucagon. It's that fat burning hormone. And so it's part of the fat burning process. It's part of the weight loss process, right? It's present. Um, And I think that that's why a lot of women run into the stalls when they're like, you have to, it's a really fine line because going like working out is a hermetic stress. The sauna is a hermetic stress. There's a lot of positive stressors, but what happens is that we have too many negative stressors and then it turns those positive stressors into negative. You know what I'm saying? It just bundles it all up where the body's like, I don't care if it's good for me or bad for me. It's all stressful and I hate it. Make it stop. <laughs> and so yeah. that's where we end up with the weight loss dolls, with losing your period, with your hormones getting out Gaining of whack. Gaining weight. Gaining weight. Right. Well, because think about it. When your body doesn't feel safe, it's going to say, we're holding on to every single calorie. Yeah. Because for survival, survival. We don't know when we're going to eat. Right. Yes. Absolutely. And so I think that's why I think intermittent fasting, and I do it. I was doing it. I was doing it like hardcore for a while, and I actually stopped because I was in that place too. Like I found myself, despite eating clean keto, I went through an extremely stressful time in my life last year. I lost my book manuscript, and it was a whole thing. I had to rewrite it, and like my life, my world just ended. And I like it almost felt like overnight I gained ten pounds. It was like the minute I just had this panic week and I'm pretty sure every calorie I ate in that week, my body just like put it away because it was in survival mode. I totally believe it. And I remember thinking like after that, and I tried to like, after I came out of that, I tried to like, what's the word? strong arm my body back into like, no, no, no. I know what works. I know what works. We're going to go hardcore at the gym or do hit. We're going to do fasting. And my body was like, yeah, okay, girl. Nice try. And I had to, and it wasn't working. And that's our go-to women. We tend to, we try to strong arm our body, strong arm our hormones into change. And what we realize is we have to be gentle. You have to baby your body, make it feel safe. And the best way to do that is nutrient density, making sure you're getting all your nutrients and you can eat at a deficit, but don't be crazy about it. Mild, small deficits with real food with higher thermic effects, which is why I'm super pro protein. I am like, no limit on it's super hard to overeat protein i feel like people need to know this protein is not chocolate cake and it's not going to turn into sugar like gluconeogenesis doesn't happen like just because you ate a steak i know can we just dispel that myth already thank you so i i'm very like protein first and then because again 
thermic effect. You're going to burn more fat. You know, you're going to build more muscle. Muscle burns fat. You don't want Plus, a lot of- you get so full from protein. You're so full and stay like you full can't longer. Yeah, exactly. There's, like you can I overeat totally fat. A hundred percent, you yeah. can overeat fat and you can overeat yeah. carbs. But protein, so I feel like, I think if women focus more on hitting that protein, like a high protein goal, you know, good amount of fat, you know, keep those carbs. And again, higher carb date, lower fat. Higher fat date, lower carb, easy, but protein stays up there. And then I think that, yeah, just really, really chilling out, man. Like, I think that if you are fasting, you may not want to do hit workouts, or if it's a really stressful week at work, maybe that's the week that you like do more Pilates or yoga. You know, I think that we need to understand that it's not just your diet and exercise, it's, you know, your marriage, your kids, your job, the financial stress, the divorce, your mom passing away the freaking coronavirus, you know, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of things in the world that are stressing people, you out on a daily basis. On top of that, what's in your home? Is there mold? Are your beauty products, endocrine disruptors, if you're using conventional beauty products, if you're storing your food in plastic, like all of these things mm-hmm. are impacting your hormones and your body on a daily basis. So I'm very much like team, be nice to yourself, be gentle. Don't try and starve yourself. Like, yes, eat real food eat till you're satisfied. Don't overeat, but don't starve either. And just move your body and sleep for the love of God. Sleep. Everybody right. oh, sleep. Smart. That's like one of the things that people just ignore so much. I feel don't like Netflix. Yeah. Don't so underrated. Yeah, they go hard all day and then they drink wine at night and watch TV. And I'm like, that's the literally screen time and booze before bed is the worst thing you can do because what's going to happen is you're going to have a blood sugar drop in the middle of the night or your heart rate's going to drop. And then your body's going to be like, blah, what the hell? And for those listening, <laughs> Do you wake up at two or three in the morning after drinking or eating sweets at night? Yes. The answer is yes. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. And that's why, because your body is having a cortisol drop in the middle of the night because your blood sugar drops and it's your fight or flight response. So yeah, that took me a while to figure that out. And I had to stop doing that because I got in a cycle there and was like, you know, stay at home mom and working and all of that. So it was like at night I wanted my glass of wine to relax. So then I'd like watch a show on Netflix. Then I realized like I'd be up like constantly throughout the night. It was just like a snowball effect. that was just out of control. And then I finally like stopped. I'm actually doing like an alcohol free cleanse right now because I feel like the rest of the world is just like boozing it up every night. And I'm like, I do not want to be that. I want to, I, my mind feels so clear. I feel so refreshed. I don't feel like my headaches. I like, I literally feel amazing. Like I love wine, but this is just like the best thing that I think that I can do for myself. Right. Yeah. I stopped drinking. So because the autoimmune protocol, you omit wine. And I was a party girl. So like people always like, I'm telling you, I said in my intro, I forget that part. But like, other than living with all these things, like I grew up in Miami, like I was a South Beach fucking like club veteran, like <laughs> smoked cigarettes, did drugs, drank six nights a week, like hardcore. So I was, I met my husband at a club and we both used to drink before I had, before we had our son, we, that's what we did every night, starting at six o'clock PM, happy hour till midnight. We would just drink and sit on the patio or whatever and smoke. Oh my God. And so if anyone can change, I can. And I'll tell yeah. you that after I gave up alcohol, reintroducing it made me feel so gross that now I can count on my hand the times I drink. It's like at a wedding, you know, maybe a really nice dinner and I moderate. Like, I don't remember the last time I was like actually drunk. And I realized that A, I don't use alcohol to relax anymore. It's, I have better, I have healthier coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that like, there's other things that you can do that are better. Like I do some CBD, um, it's full spectrum. Um, but I just think that 
meditate, journal, take a bath, go for a walk. Like there's yeah, those simple things, right? Those are just the simple things that we've known about for thousands forever. of years, but yet people don't do them or they think they're so woo woo. It's like, no, it works because yeah, alcohol is more damaging to you than helpful for relaxing when you're stressed exactly. out. Yeah, and this fun, is like, right? I'm preaching to myself right now because I just have to constantly remind myself every time like that old habit of my brain comes in. It's like, oh, you should have a glass of wine. It was a stressful day. It's like, no, it's not going to help me right now. Right. Yeah. So I think it's safe for, in my book, It Made Whole Made Simple, I talk about feel good foods worth it foods and hard note foods. And I think that you have to be honest with yourself about like, yes, there's you, your feel good foods are the foods you eat every day. They're foods that feel, you feel great when you eat them and they're just in your regular rotation. That should make up the majority of your diet, right? Like it could include your, your coffee or your kombucha or whatever. Your worth it foods are foods that don't make you feel so great, but every now and then they're worth it. And that's fine if alcohol is in your worth it food category. And then hard no foods are the foods that make you like feel like crap, make you sick. Like for me, they make me flare. So like, you know, grains, dairy, most dairy and like gluten and nightshades. And so those I never eat. Mm-hmm. And I think that everyone has feel good foods, worth it foods and hard no foods. And they're different for everybody. But I think people have to be honest with themselves about what those foods are and how often they're consuming those worth it foods when, you know, they, they're trying to make them feel good foods, but they're really not. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's like a great way to put it. So as far as your cookbook goes, how is this second one different from your first one? What, and what inspired you to write the second one? Yeah. So I, when I wrote Made Whole, I was, you know, trying to fill that need for a dairy-free anti-inflammatory keto cookbook. There wasn't a book like it. Like it's a real food keto cookbook. Um, all the recipes are also paleo. There's a ton of autoimmune protocol recipes in there too. And I wanted a book that was like for foodies, like colorful, fun recipes that are like, some of them are a little harder. Some are super, there's some super easy ones, but there's some in there that are like a little more like, uh, like, like I Bon Appetit style. I always yeah, love Bon exactly. Appetit recipes. Yes, totally. That's exactly what I was going for. Like a true foodie book that was good for you. And it's a beast of a book. I mean, think made whole is like 580 pages or 400, sorry, 480 pages. And the book was super well received. It was like a bestseller. People love the book. And I was like, and I knew I wanted to write another one because I just love writing cookbooks and I'm good at it. But when I went through my training, so in the first, in the, in, in made whole, what I share with people is keto basics, paleo basics and AIP basics, right? Because those were the tools that I had at my disposal. When I wrote that book, I got my nutritional therapy training after I wrote that book. And after going through that training and understanding the mechanisms of why those diets worked for me and why a bio-individual approach is so important and why I was always kind of like, well, I just kind of have my niche and I do my thing, but luckily people like my recipes enough to buy my book. But then I really understood why eating that way was so beneficial. And so I wanted to write a book that broke down the nutrition, not in terms of a diet or rules or labels just in terms of understanding how your body works and why, you know, again, digestion, we talked about how digestion works, why optimizing digestion is so important, how dysfunction occurs and how to remedy it. Talking about hydration, mineral balance, fatty acid balance to control inflammation, which is huge and so overlooked, especially in the keto space, all these people eating all these like processed foods with inflammatory oils. I really go into like the healthy oils and how really you can manage inflammation, which as you said, is the root of so much disease. 
you know, with a healthy uh, fatty acid balance. And then I go into blood sugar regulation and the implications there are not just for fat burning, but again, for inflammation um, and, you know, why it's different for everyone and why different people thrive on different macros, but really understanding, not giving people the rules, but giving them enough information so they can write their own rules essentially. So it's nutrition made simple. Simple has 147 recipes and all of them are one pot or sheet pan or pressure cooker or slow cooker. There's five ingredients or less or 30 minutes or less. So the recipes are easy. That's awesome. They're also super. And also to go further, because again, learning more about just kind of, so the book, there are no sugar alcohols in the book. So I only use stevia, yak concept to sweeten. And honestly, there's only like 10 sweet recipes and half of them are like chia seed puddings and like it's like really it's like a flourless chocolate cake muffins like the book is really about whole foods clean keto it's like the epitome of like make real food good make it easy make it good for you and that's it and the recipes are so baller so delicious i'm super proud of this book i'm obsessed i cook those recipes on a daily basis and i'm not like i'm a chef food is my life so like yeah i wrote that book and i still cook every night in my house. I'm always creating new recipes. Um, I post a new one on my blog every week. So, but that's, it's what I do. I mean, food is my passion. Yeah. People get healthy through food, but I'm so proud of this book because, um, I think that there's not anything like it out there. And I think that it's the kind of book that anyone can pick up and they're going to benefit from it. You know, I talk about cholesterol. I talk about the vagus nerve and the connection between that mind body connection and how, you know, people with trauma in the past, um, have more prevalence of autoimmune disease and that connection of like that stress response. I mean, I really just get into like, I talk about, there's a whole chapter on the endocrine system um, and like, you know, explaining the different glands in the endocrine system, what they do and the nutrients that support the different glands. There's a whole section on the autoimmune system and like kind of how it works and how that autoimmune response happens um, and what foods, what nutrients support that system. So the whole book is also based on like therapeutic nutrients. So there's these beautiful graphics from like the pharmacy, like pharmacy that are like, what foods support that system. So if you have issues with blood sugar regulation, what foods support healthy blood sugar regulation? If you have issues with inflammation, what foods are anti-inflammatory? Um, and Sounds yeah, I love it. It's very robust. It is. It's Sounds a big awesome. book. I, I mean, I only write big books. I feel like <laughs> I, I don't know how to do it, but it's, it's a beast of a book. And um, yeah, it's like two books in one, but the recipes are so yummy. Um, I make like, What tonight, are some of your favorites from it? Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. I have a few tonight. I'm actually making this beef and broccoli skillet casserole because it's so good. Cause it's just in a big skillet and I love ground beef and I love beef and I love bacon and I love ground beef and bacon specifically. Cause I mean, sorry, and broccoli cause it's just so easy. And so this is like the skillet casserole. You like brown the beef and then you cook the, ba- the, the broccoli in there, but you mix in like a make, you make like a nut butter egg mixture and you mix, you put it in and you bake it. And it becomes, it's like this crispy, cheesy kind of casserole, but there's no cheese. I use nutritional yeast. delicious. It's oh like my super gosh. comfort food because it's like creamy in the middle, but like crispy on the outside. So good. Um, one of my other favorite recipes is the, there's a shrimp and broccoli curry that's really yummy. Um, and I have my own curry powder in there like that I make the own mix. It's, you know, just from dry seasoning stuff. So I do have a few different dry seasoning recipes in there, which are great because you mix those, you keep them in a little jar. Yeah. And then you can food. reuse it for different recipes. I love right. doing that. Yeah. So where can people pick up these, this book? I'm sorry. You had more that you wanted to share. Sorry. I want to get the book now. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. So it's available anywhere books are sold. Um, so Amazon has it. Barnes and Noble has it. Um, Target online, Walmart online, um, IndieBound, Wordery, Book Depository. So anywhere. And what is it called again? 
Made whole, made simple. Made whole, made simple. Yeah. I just refer to it as made simple because my first book is made whole and this one's made whole, made simple. But if you look up like Christina Kurt made simple, it comes up. All right. We're all going to get copies. Yeah. It's and tag you. Good one. Yeah. I mean, I love it because the recipes are so easy that like, that's one interesting thing about this book that like the minute it came out, more people were tagging me in the recipes. Cause like it's the kind of recipes people make on a daily basis. You know, there's a, there's 30, there's like 55 one pot meals and like 30, nine sheep pan meals in the book i love sheep pan meals yeah i realize that like most people like me they just they don't have time to like cook extravagant meals and they just wanted something easy but they want something healthy so it's awesome that you put together this resource for us busy moms that we can have it and like still you know eat keto eat clean heal our bodies and reach our weight loss goals so where can people find you like where do people find more about you your website your instagram give us all those deeds yeah so i'm uh my website's thecastawaykitchen.com um and i have hundreds of free recipes on my website and articles and posts um i'm all over social media at the castaway kitchen i'm the most active on like facebook and instagram um, and I also have a podcast called body wise podcast, which is it's all linked on my blog page, but, um, yeah, I'm all over the place. I'm always doing like cooking demos and sharing nutrition tidbits and, um, food, love always food. <laughs> awesome. So go follow Christina and Christina. I want to thank you for coming on the show. We've covered so many topics today. It was truly amazing. I can't even think of like what to title it because we literally went through the spectrum. It's like everything in one and it was awesome to chat with you. Likewise. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast. If you're looking for free resources to get you started on your weight loss journey, go to www.bsbtribe.com forward slash resources. If you're ready to take your weight loss to another level and work with me personally, I invite you to join the BSB Tribe waitlist. Spots are limited in this exclusive online community But if you join the waitlist, you'll be the first to know when doors open up again. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon.